morning, Summit Nation. Good morning, guests, friends, everybody. All right, I see y'all online. Going to try to figure out a way to get some comments on the screen. But um, y'all um, just um, get involved in the, in the chat. Just greet people you don't know. Say hi, just say something. And uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, where's Dawn? I, I, I like to wear those shoes that you were wearing up here. I think I could preach better than those shoes. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. I think my feet would be even more beautiful with those, those shoes on. Amen. Okay, so... Um, yeah, greetings no matter where you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or our church online platform. Uh, feel free to say something. If something blesses you, you can uh, share it in the comment section. All right. Thank you, Lord. Miracles are happening as you hear the word. Thank you, Lord. If, if you're sick, you can be healed just by sitting here and listening to the word of God. All right. Let's, um, let's say a confession. I am greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved by you. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. I am my father's favorite child. I am the apple of his eye. I am well-pleasing in his sight. I receive the love that my father has for me. Everything I do and touch shall be blessed because I am the beloved. I am loved, righteous, blessed, prosperous, redeemed, forgiven, talented, creative, confident, secure, disciplined, focused, prepared, qualified, motivated, valuable, free, determined, equipped, empowered, anointed, accepted and approved, not average, not mediocre, holy, flawless, without blemish, blameless, and freed from accusation. I am a child of the Most High God. I will become all I was created to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's say this again. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That means I am not guilty, well-pleasing to God, totally acceptable to God, Amen. Amen. I am free, I am free. Because, I'm righteous. because I'm righteous. I am free, I am free. From, an from an inferiority complex. Amen. You know, you're inferior to nobody because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, when you understand that you're righteous, it frees you from an inferiority complex. And some people will mistake it as arrogance but it's not arrogance, it's knowing who you are in Christ. I want to encourage you to join a small group near you. There is, it says coming, coming soon online, actually it's already here. Tuesday night, Mark Roseman, our winning group director, he leads a small group called, we call our small group winning group, so I encourage you. We had a great discussion on... Um, on Tuesday night, it was so good. I was uh, on the tail end of a 50-mile bike ride, and uh, somebody rose up and said, said something in that group. It blessed me so much, I had, to, I had to get off my bike for a minute and get back on. Man, I tell you what, I, that last hour was tough, but, but that winning group gave me the, the, the extra oomph I needed, that extra boost. I needed, anybody ever need, need a little boost? Well, I needed a little boost. And that, man, that, that winning group gave me the strength to get home. And I tell you, uh, take some time aside. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just go online. There's a link on our Summit Church community page. And if you're on our mailing list, you will get an email about where that winning group happens. It's, it's a Zoom meeting. Don't have to go anywhere. And we're going to multiply these groups because um, they're going to get to the point where we, we and that's, that's our goal is to be able to have different groups. And so right now, 
Uh, it's on Tuesday night, so join in and check it out. Amen? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Last week, I started teaching on the book of Ephesians. I don't know how long it's going to take me to teach this. This is not a... Um, not an extensive study on Ephesians. I'm not going to comment on every single verse. Uh, we're outlining the book of Ephesians and splitting it up into three parts. All right. Uh, number one, part one is that uh, it has to do with our position in Christ. Sit. Our position in Christ is that we are seated with Christ. That's what we're on right now. Eventually, we'll get to the next two parts. The next two parts, okay, uh, part number one is being seated, and, and it has to do with our position in Christ. Sit. Part two is our life in the world. That's our walk. And part three is our attitude toward the enemy, and that is stand. And having done all, stand, praise God. So many Christians focus, in fact, most Christians focus on their walk with God. Our walk with God is important. But that's not what we should be focusing on. Our Christian life begins with our being seated, okay? So the Christian life begins with being seated. We are seated. So it, it begins with sitting. Say so our Christian life, my Christian life, begins with sitting. We mentioned this last week. Uh, it's not in your notes, but I'm going to read it. And uh, feel free to take notes. Our notes are on the on the app. Hebrews 1, long ago at many times, we, we looked at verse 3, but I'm just going to back up and read beginning in verse 1. Hebrews starts off, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In the old covenant, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what I want, want you to focus in on. After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus said in John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. What was finished? That's talking about when he purged our sins on the cross, when he died on the cross for our sins. See, that's what was finished. He purged our sins. What did he do after that? He sat down. And as we looked at last week, and we're going to continue looking at it today, we are seated together with him. We are identified with Jesus in everything that he did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. So, Jesus sat down, and the reason he sat down was because the work was finished. And that's like when uh, God gave us like a type of this when he created the world. In six days, God created the world, but on the seventh day, he rested. Okay? He didn't rest because he was tired. He rests because 
His creation work was perfect. It was finished. Okay, that's, that's a type of what Jesus did for us in redemption. When Jesus purged our sins on the cross, it was finished. Your Christian life was finished. You, see, we start at the finish line. The Bible says we are complete in him. It doesn't say we're trying to be complete. We are already complete in him. We'll look at this scripture later, but he that enters rest ceases from your own works. What does it mean, your own work? Your own self-effort, trying to work to be pleasing to God. It says that he that, we'll, we'll say more about that later, but it says he that enters rest ceases from his own works as God did from his. So God, when he created the world in six days, on the seventh day, he rested. Why? Not because he was tired. It was because his work of creation was perfect. Now, that's, this is very important. I know I'm going slowly, but this is very important for us to understand. See, it's, it's like a defense, like if a, 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 a prosecuting attorney. Okay, Dawn's an attorney. She can attest to this. Uh, sometimes, uh, at least this is the way it is on TV. I don't know if it's, she can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, sometimes when, when the prosecuting attorney is finished arguing their case, they, he or she will sit down and uh, get ready to sit down and they'll say, the prosecution rests. <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're getting ready to go take a nap. That doesn't mean that they're tired. It means that they're finished. <laughs> they're done. Thank you, Jesus. So when God finished his creation work, okay, on the seventh day, he rested because his work of creation was perfect. When Jesus purged our sins, it was finished. Your life, your Christian life was finished. See, this is why you don't begin, you, you, you're not even prepared to walk. Your, your life in this world, part two, that we're going to get into in, in Ephesians, because some, some people like to go jump right into chapter four. See, our walk begins in chapter four, verse one. But before chapter four, notice there's chapter one. And then there's chapter two. And then there's chapter 3, and they all have to do with our position in Christ being seated with him. Thank you, Lord. We, the same time, again, we, we are identified with Jesus in, in everything he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. When Jesus was, uh, died, you died. See, when Jesus was crucified, we were crucified. When Jesus died, we died. When Jesus was buried, we were buried. When Jesus was raised, we were raised. When Jesus was seated, we were seated. See, many Christians today are living as though the work was not already finished. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't say it has started. He said it is finished. Some people are trying to complete what's already completed. Some people are trying to fix what's already been fixed. Actually, our Christian life has been fixed. It's rigged. It's rigged so much that we can't even mess it up. Well, pastor, you know, I don't know. You sound like you're preaching that once saved, always saved stuff. I think, you know, people can get deep in sin. You know, you got to you better watch out. Be careful. Telling people all our, their sins are forgiven. What do you mean? Well, you, 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 man, you get out there and sin. You might not make it in. 
like what? Like maybe you mean the Corinthians? That was the most, the sinningest, if that's such a word, sinningest church that we see in, in the New Testament. So much so that a man would have, his, listen, a man would have his father's wife. Would you think that qualifies for deep sinning? I mean, they had all kind of sexual immorality going on. But you know what God's, uh, you, know what, you know what Paul said about them? Paul didn't tell them, hey, you, you're in danger of losing your salvation. I don't know if I agree with that. You, I, I haven't finished talking yet. <laughs> see, see that, that, that's the problem with a lot of, uh, of people. They, they jump to conclusions. Some, the only exercise some Christians get is running down their neighbor and jumping to conclusions. So don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't jump to conclusions. Wait till you hear it. See, some people have their mind made up because they're not teachable. Okay, I, now I'm still learning. And I'm much smarter than you. So shouldn't you be learning? I'm just kidding about that. So, but, but, but what I'm saying is we all ought to be teachable, shouldn't we? None of us knows everything about the Bible. Come on now. I want you to consider this. Goodness. People, oh, you believe in that? Once saved, always saved. Listen. If my kids, their last name is Jennings, except for one, and she got married because her last name is Johnson. <laughs> but you know what my point is? They can denounce me all they want, but I'm still their daddy. They're going to be a Jennings, no matter if they, they, can, they can stand on the top of the highest mountain and say, I'm not a Jennings. But if you open them up, they're Jennings. <laughs> How are you going to get out of your salvation? Well, you can send your way out. Again, like the Corinthians, look at what it said. Look at what Paul said about them. Now, he knew that their walk wasn't right. But you know what he told them? He said, 619, do you not know that your body is a temple? Of, that's not what I, what I wanted to do. Uh, uh, verse 11. But that's a good point because in verse 19 when, when it says, uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have within you, what did he do in the midst of all of the sinning they were doing? He was pointing them to their identity. He didn't say, you know, y'all lost your salvation. He told them, yeah, that is a good scripture. I think the Holy Spirit led me to that one. I'll read the other one. This is good too. The Holy Spirit is within them. Whoa. Man, that's better than the verse I was going to go to. Look at the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit's within them. So bring me these people that you said uh, that you think lost their salvation because they, they violated one of your big three. They got in adultery or they got drunk and whatever, you fill in the blank, whatever whatever the, the, the laws that you think that we're supposed to be keeping. People to cherry pick the law. That's why you should be there on Wednesday night because it'd be easy for me to go into that. Because these people think, well, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to maintain God's standard. What is that? Actually, what is it? Give me a list. I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on somebody to give me a list of the things that we're supposed to keep. Well, we should keep the Ten Commandments. 
do you mean nine? Because if you trim your hedges on Saturday or open up an email on Saturday, you violated the Sabbath. Oh, yeah, yeah, nine. <laughs> well, no, actually, there's 612 more. In my Bible software, I can pull them all up. I haven't read them all, and I really don't care to. But if you need to see them, I can show them to you. There's 613 laws. And what people are doing is, oh, man, man, they, they accuse us of preach grace. Well, you ought to respect the law. You got to respect the law. The law. Do you, do you respect the law? Actually, the law is perfect. We who preach grace really respect the law because we hold the law up to its high standard and we say, you know what? The law is like perfect. We can't keep it. We respect it by saying like, wow, I take grace instead. Thank you, Lord. I'm free from the law. See, we've been delivered from the law, and now we're married to Jesus. See, we look at the law. See, we respect the law when we say we look at the law. We're like, no, thank you. I'll take grace instead. That's respecting the law. People who are saying you're supposed to keep the law, and they're trying to keep it, they're really not keeping the law. They're disrespecting it by lowering the bar to the point where they can, they can jump over it. James says, whoever, James 2.10, whoever tries to keep the whole law but stumbles in one point is guilty of all. See, God doesn't grade on a curve when it comes to the law. You either get a zero or a hundred. <laughs> and the only one person who walked this earth got a hundred in keeping the law, and that was Jesus. He kept the law perfect, went to the cross, and nailed the law to the cross. And so I'm, I'm waiting on people to give me, okay, what, what are we supposed to be keeping? We don't have any laws to keep. Man, we're, we're to live free, allowing, I didn't say reckless. We're free because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, living, yeah. uh, leading us and guiding us. Pastor, you trying to say we can sin all we want? Yeah. Can we sin all we want and God will forgive you? Don't fall out of your chair. Don't drop, that, drop your coffee. Can you sin all you want and God will forgive you? Yeah. But the thing is, we got a new nature. When you understand that, going full circle, that you're seated, because Paul addressed this in Romans 6. He said, Shall we continue in sin? He preached grace so strong that he knew people were, were, were thinking, man, man can mean, you mean we, we can sin all we want? Should we sin that grace may abound? See, unless somebody accuses you of saying, see, you're not really preaching grace unless somebody raises the question, can we sin all we want? That's real proof to, to let you know if somebody's preaching grace. And Paul addressed this. He said, shall we, he addressed it actually twice in the sixth chapter of Romans. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. He said, no. You can sin all you want, but the thing is, our want to change in the new birth when our nature changed. As Christians who are seated with Christ, we don't want to sin. 
If on the inside of you, in your spirit, you want to sin, what I encourage you to do is to get saved. <laughs> Amen. Because a saved person doesn't want to sin on the inside. Now, when Jesus purged our sins and sat down, it's important to understand that he didn't, he didn't save us from sinning. He saved us from sin. It's not that we can't sin, and all of us sin. Come on now. All of us do some sinning. But the fact of the matter is, we've been forgiven. David, Paul quoted David, where he said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not count his sins. It's not that we don't sin. It's that our sins aren't counted against us because our sins were purged at the cross. All of our sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. They said when the Golden Gate Bridge was being built, a lot of, uh, or down, not a lot of people, but there's some people who lost their lives. They, they, they'd fall off the bridge. But then they decided to put a safety net, some sort of net. And you know what happened? The workers start jumping off the bridge every day. No. No. The safety net didn't make them want to jump. But they were free to work without fear of failure. That's how the Lord wants us to live our Christian life. Thank you, Lord. All that sin in these Corinthians were doing it, and yet, Paul said, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 11. And such... Now, wait a minute. Let me back up. Verse 9. Or, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexual, homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's what I'm talking about, Pastor. See, I told you, them, them, them Corinthians, see, see you talking about once saved, always saved, and all this kind of stuff. And see, he said them, them kind of people, and I'm sure the Corinthians was doing some of this stuff. So what do, you, what do you say about it? I say keep reading. Now he had this laundry list of a bunch of stuff, homosexuality, and they were into this stuff. But he said, watch this, and such were some of you. Oh, Y'all you, missed a good place to shout. Y'all missed a good place to shout. Because I, I don't know why, but I read Facebook comments uh, too much. <laughs> but it helps me. It gives me some ammo to teach because I can tell because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and the hand writes on Facebook. <laughs> so I'm able to see how people think. What do they really believe? And people believe some goofy stuff and because of a mixture, they say amen to stuff that's like law-based. And see, that's what people don't understand. If, if you, you cannot mix law and grace. 
It's like I said, the, the law is an all or nothing proposition. And let me, let me double back. People who say they keep the law and that they're just really lowering the bar and just keeping a few things, they cherry pick the law and pick a few things that they think that, that God is requiring of them and they, and they pat themselves on the back and say, I keep the law. They're really disrespecting it. The law's purpose was not to make a man righteous. In fact, Timothy said the law is not made for a righteous man. The purpose of the law was to bring you to your knees, to realize that you can't keep it and that you need Jesus. Okay? So when you tr think you're trying to keep the law, you're really disrespecting the law. Come on now. And so we haven't even got into the first verse of what I want to talk about. But um, obviously somebody needs this. The law was not made for a righteous person. It says here, and such were some of you. Watch this. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. He's talking about these folks who were doing a lot of sinning. He said, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. That's past tense. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then later on, he said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He didn't, never told them you lost your salvation because you're sleeping with your father's wife. That's, that's out of bounds. That's, that's one of them biggies. You in sexual sin, you done lost your salvation. Again, James says, he who tries to keep the whole law but stumbles, he who keeps the whole law but stumbles in one point is guilty of all. That's, that's, that's not grading on a curve. See, again, the law's purpose is to bring you to your knees. What I started to say was that, that if you mix any kind of law into grace, if you've got 99% grace and 1% law, it equals law. The problem with some folks, and the reason why they, they, they never really um, fully grasp the gospel of grace is because of the mixture they're listening to. It's not that they oppose the teaching of grace, it's they're listening to other stuff. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. You can't listen to everything and everybody because you will end up getting confused and you, you see, because th that law is a, is a dangerous thing. Huh? It's, it's not harmless. It's dangerous. In fact, the, the law gives strength to sin. It's counterintuitive. It, like what people think, if you preach the law, it'll stop sinning. No, actually, it's the opposite. It has the opposite effect. It will increase sinning. Romans 7 says it stirs up evil passions. Amen. It, it's... <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3 says, the law is a ministry of death. Preaching the law in churches is killing people slowly. It's a, it's a ministry of condemnation because you will never measure up. If you want to try to keep the law, it's 613, not the little three or four you cherry pick it. Oh, I see, I, I seen them. They got caught in adultery, the very act. Oh, I saw them. They on drugs. They, they done, so-and-so done, done fell from grace. <laughs> you don't even know what falling from grace is. Falling from grace 
has nothing to do with sinning. You know what falling from grace is? Maybe next week I'll teach this message. Thank you, Jesus. Don't y'all love the word? Okay. See, people get, don't let Hollywood def def define what falling from grace is. It ain't a fell from grace. You got Hollywood using biblical terms and stuff, but let's look at it in the context. How many of you know righteousness is, is a free gift? It's a gift. Jesus, that was part of the exchange on the cross. Jesus became sin. He took our sin and gave us his very own righteousness. We confessed that earlier. Remember that you are totally acceptable to God, well-pleasing to God. You are not guilty. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5 and 4 says, For freedom, back up to verse 1. For freedom, I want you to see the context. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, you've got to understand the context. The reason that Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians is because, see, this is a, a non-Jewish church. And his objective was the same thing same objective as it was in the book of Romans because these Gentile believers had gotten saved. They never had the law. But these Judaizers said, you need Jesus plus the law. I know you received Christ, but you also need to keep the law. See, the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. I don't want the law. I've been delivered from it. Jesus delivered me from it. I'll take grace instead. Thank you very much. That's respecting the law by saying, I can't keep it. Jesus fulfilled it for me. I'll take Jesus. I'll take grace. Amen. So, this yoke that he's talking about, and actually I was going to get into that, some of that today. This yoke of slavery is in a re was in reference to the law. It was a yoke for Old Testament believers because they couldn't keep it. No matter what they did, they couldn't keep the law. And the law was for a particular time period where the Bible says that it was our, our tutor to bring us to Christ. Then once we're in Christ, we're no, no longer under the tutor of the law. I go through these side journeys for a reason. And, and whoever needs to receive this, go ahead and receive this. Somebody's watching, somebody's listening that, that, that needs to hear this. And, and I hope you're open to receive. You don't have to take my word for it. See, that's, that's our problem over the years. We've taken preacher's word for stuff. Check it out in the word. Check it out for yourself. I didn't always understand these things. Just a few years ago when I discovered some things I had never seen before. I got a revelation of the gospel of grace about seven years ago. And before that, I was teaching some stuff wrong. I was talking to somebody and they told me that they were talking to some, some minister and they their stumbling block was they would have to, in order to receive, they didn't really have a problem with the message, but in order to embrace the gospel of grace, which is the true gospel, they would have to admit that they were wrong. And they just couldn't do that. So, this yoke of slavery was the, was the law. See, this is what Paul was addressing. It's like, no, you don't need to keep the law. And he said, for freedom, say, for freedom, Christ has set me free. And he said, stand firm, therefore. 
And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, which is, you know, being part of the, the, the keeping the law, that was like the sign of the law. People were trying to say, okay, y'all need the law. Y'all need to be circumcised. He said, no. He said, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't just pick one. You've got to do it all. And see, when you accept that, that's what God, God requires about, uh, 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 about keeping the law. You got to keep all of them. Well, I can't do that. Exactly. That was the purpose of the law. So I'll take Jesus. That's not disrespecting it. That's respecting it. Those that, that try to keep it are disrespecting it because they ain't keeping it. I don't care what they say. And what that's called is, is self-righteousness. For you to, to, to just go in there and pick five or six things that you want to do, but you continue to cut your grass on Saturday and eat ribs <laughs> man if I'm trying to keep the law man I would have messed up yesterday because <laughs> my man Antoine man threw down some ribs man I almost smacked Carl I told him I, I, they were so good <laughs> thank you Lord so, so, I'm almost finished here, actually. Um, if I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. Justified means declared righteous by the law. You have fallen away from grace. What does fall from grace mean? For you to try to keep the law. Some people can't even fall from grace because they never walked in grace in the first place. He was addressing, this is a letter he's addressing to people. They were walking good, they were doing good, but these Judaizers came in and said, oh, y'all also need circumcision. And, and, and Paul said, you, you free and you walking in your freedom. Something reminds me of that song, Walking in My Freedom. Oh, yeah. Man, if I could sing, I'd sing it right now. Walking in My Freedom. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Walking in My Freedom. So they were walking in freedom, but then uh, he said, if you go back, if you, you go in here to get circumcised, he said, you've fallen from grace. I've seen people do it. They're happy. I mean, they, I mean, they receive their freedom. And it's, but the freedom is almost too good to be true. See, if you hear a message and it sounds too good to be true, I'm about to, I'm about to jump out of my shoes right now. <laughs> Let me calm down. I get excited when I say this. If you hear a message and it sounds too good, good to be true, it's probably the gospel. Any message that you hear that condemns you, that tells you you're not good enough, that, that, that you have to do something to be something, that's the law. See, that's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was about. The devil convinced them that they had to do something in order to be something. But what they didn't realize, they were already like God. Yeah. 
the devil always trying to make, well, if you, if you eat this, you're going to be like God. Hold, hold up. Mm -mm. I'm already like God. And that's what the law tries to get you to do, try to get you to do something in order to be something. Try to jump through hoops. And it's never, if you ever notice about the law, trying to live by self-effort, it's never, whatever you do, it's never, it's either not good enough or it's not enough. You always got to do something else that God is requiring of us. All that God requires for us is to receive his grace. Spend your time receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and you'll reign in life. Living by the flesh, if you heard that term, living by the flesh, the flesh is self-effort. Like it, case in point, Ishmael was born, the Bible says, was born according to the flesh. That was Abraham trying to make the promise come to pass on his own. Galatians says he was born, listen, according to the flesh. Well, what does that mean? I mean, everybody's born according to the flesh. <laughs> so it can't be talking about that. All right? It was talking about he was born according to self-effort. And when you're trying to live by the law, you're living under self-effort, and there's a strain and struggle when you try to live by your own performance. But when you live under your freedom in grace, there's an ease there's an enjoyment. There's a flow. Amen. You look at some Christians, they look like they drank some pickle juice or something. It's just, just all mad and upset. And stuff. What you mad about? You mad? <laughs> our guitar, well, one of our, well, a former guitar player, uh, Ian, Ian Grindstaff, love that brother. I miss him too. He, last I heard, he was in, in Illinois, but he he hadn't he he didn't attend church very much. He didn't come up with it in a church background. And uh, he told me that he went. It's only he only been to church a few times. He started uh, until he he went to this particular church, and he noticed that the preacher was like just mad, just. He just was preached angry about and just, um, and he told me, he said, man, it, it, it looked like, man, I, and he, you know, he didn't know church. So he saw the guy up and he said, man, he said, he told me, he said, Pastor, it, it looked like he needed a hug. <laughs> and, um, When um, I know uh, uh, Joel Osteen talks about when when they were they had a consultant come in talking to them about television when when his dad dad was on the earth he he said that the, the consultant told them he said now look at Christian television and then turn the volume down and just look at them and. And let's see what, and, and watch and see what it communicates. The gospel is good news. I'm glad you mentioned Joel Osteen. He sugarcoats the gospel. Okay. And? You know, he really doesn't sugarcoat the gospel. That's not true. He's presenting a joyful God. And, and see, 
the gospel is already sweeter than honey. It's already sweet. I said it's already sweet. The Bible says it's sweeter than honey. Honey pretty sweet. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Some people avoid sugar and they, and they put honey in their stuff. And, I, and we got honey too, you know, but you know what? It's sugar. They think they've done something. And uh, uh, Carla might correct me later. But it's still, it's still sweet, isn't it? I said, isn't it? The gospel's sweeter than honey. Any message that condemns you, that puts you down, that makes you feel like you're not good enough, it is, I don't care how many, uh, what kind of collar they got around their neck, it's not the gospel. I don't care how many bishops' rings they got. Huh? Don't let me, and then get me started on that. Y'all get something out of this today? Thank you, Lord. You hear some good news today? Yes. Amen. Walk in your freedom. You're free. Yes. Amen. Freedom is good. Huh? Yes. I said freedom is good. Yes. Anybody feel like you want to sin all, sin all the time? You want to go out and, and smoke some weed? You, you feel like you're going to go find your, your, uh, your former drug dealer? Huh? Anybody thinking about sinning? No, you're not thinking about sinning. The good news doesn't make you want to sin. It's freedom. The gospel is not freedom to sin. It's freedom from sin. I'll leave you with Romans 8, 14. If I can remember it. (laughs) For sin... (laughs) shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law but under grace. When you're under grace, sin is not going to control your life. Jesus will control your life. Grace is not a message. It's a person. His name is Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that no person will leave here with their spiritual needs on.